The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Welcome to all of you. Please be taking your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Glad to be here this morning, church. Glad to, boy, it's just a good day. Persecution rising and the world losing its mind. And we got that great picture of that deer outside the front of the church this morning. It's, <laughs> but you know, it's still a good day. Amen? Amen. Our king is still on the throne. Our shepherd is still faithful. And, uh, Things are going good around here in the parking lot. We've got Mark here today. Thank him for making our parking lot bigger. We've got room to park and things getting ready for that. Appreciate him being here so much for all that. And uh, it's a good day to be in God's house. Luke chapter 11. Uh, you know, one of the great, great privileges of getting to be a pastor is to see, you get a, you get a front row seat to watching Jesus lead his church. And one of the ways that, I guess a couple of the ways that I've seen Jesus lead this church, you know, that's something that we pray for, that, that we would see our shepherd move among us, and it's kind of surprising when we see God answering some of those prayers, and, and I've just seen as the pastor of this church that God is really drawing us to be a people of prayer. And you might say, well, Pastor Men, like, no, duh, of course, of course God's Word calls us to pray, but... obviously God's word does call us to pray but I just I've never seen in all my years of ministry I've never seen God move people and burden so many people so many of you collectively that have this now burden to pray and to lead people in prayer and and it's something I know we'll be moving forward with in the future seeing that God is so graciously leading us in that and and I'm thankful for that because really the success of this ministry will will rise and fall with whether or not we are a praying people. Our personal Christian walk, our personal walk with the Lord, its success, will rise and fall with whether or not we are praying in our own lives. And, and you might say, well, Pastor Ben, why is that? Why, why are those things so directly tied to whether or not we are praying? And if you've ever seen a, a herding dog, a dog that is used to herd sheep or cattle, one that is very skilled, one that's very effective in moving a herd of animals or chasing a cow into a corral or whatever its task is before us, a dog that is very keen on the task before it, you will watch this animal and about every two seconds, like every three steps, this dog will, will look back to the owner, look back to the master to, to make sure that this dog isn't, they're making sure they don't miss any instruction. They're, they're waiting to see is that is the master saying to go left or to go right, to, to come back or to press in? And, and they keep looking back in that way, and it keeps them safe. They traverse, they traverse the task before them well because they keep checking in with the master. And I believe for the very same reason is, is why we are so called in God's word to pray and, and very much the reason that Jesus is leading this church to become a people of very sincere, heartfelt prayer. And that, to me, has become very clear around here. The other thing that's very clear around here to me, however, though, is that people, many people, are afraid to pray, awkward to pray, and a lot of times just 
don't pray. Let me ask you something this morning. Husbands, do you pray regularly with your wife? Do you pray regularly with your children? Wives in the room today, ladies, do, do you pray for your husband? Is it a normal thing in your home for, for you to lay hands on your children and to pray with them regularly? I'm talking like on a regular steady diet for some of you empty nesters or parents that have older children, teenagers. Do you, do you pray with your kids regularly? Is that something that happens on a regular basis? And I think that we all know that we should pray and all of us probably want a, bre- a better prayer life. I think anyone here that names the name of Christ would know that. They, we know that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That, that the life of the Christian just doesn't need to be fed by food only, but there's this spiritual communion with God that is as vital, it's even more vital than, than the food that we eat, that, that type of communion with God. And we know that. Uh, Pastor Steve Gaines once said, if you love the Lord, you will talk with him and talk about him. His predecessor, predecessor Adrian Rogers, said, prayer is the greatest Christian privilege. And I think we know that. I mean, we know that a Christian that doesn't pray, it's like a car without gasoline. The Christian that doesn't pray, it's like a belly with no food. The Christian that does not pray, it's like a light bulb screwed into a socket with no electricity running to it. It's like a water hydrant going down into dry ground. It's like a herding dog that has no master to look back to and check in with. So if we know that we don't pray as much as we ought, the question then on the table is why? Why is it it that we don't pray like we know we should and like probably many of us want to? I think there's a few reasons, one that I'll focus in more than the others, but just to mention a couple is first that people won't pray if, if you don't love God. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then you won't have this father-son type relationship with him and, and you won't pray. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're adopted into God's kingdom. He is, when we, when we repent of our sins and God has forgiven us and washed us whiter than snow and and we're adopted into his kingdom, there's this now father relationship that we have with him, and and that spirit inside of us will will call out to God like a child cries out to a father. If you love God, you'll you'll talk to him and you'll talk about him. If a boy sees a girl on the playground that he thinks is cute and he has affections for for that girl, he's going to go talk to that girl because he's interested in that girl. If you know that's true, say amen. The other reason, another reason as to why people won't pray is if people are just lazy. It says in Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hand, his hands refuse to labor. If a dog is chasing and herding sheep or chasing and herding cattle and and this dog becomes lazy and looking back to the master and always checking in for commands and always making sure that he's in tune with with the direction of the master. If the dog gets lazy in doing that, that's the number one reason as to why the sheep will then butt the dog and the dog won't see it coming. It's the number one reason as to why the cows will reach out and kick and the dog will, will suffer, some, suffer from some injury for, for not having kept in tune with the master. And, and I know for many times, many more times than I even care to count, that, that there have been spiritual mishaps in people's lives. Men will come to me and say, Pastor Ben, I need to meet with you. My marriage is struggling. And I'll think to myself, 
you know, I haven't seen you in like a month of Sundays and there's no prayer in your home and, and, and no one, your life looks like a non-believer in most every other way and, and you're just really lazy and lethargic about your spiritual life. I don't think you have a marriage problem. I think you've got a laziness problem and it's showing up as a marriage problem. If we're lazy, we will not pray. But with those things being said, I believe that the majority, at least, of the people here at New Covenant Community Church love God. And I also believe that the majority of people at New Covenant Community Church are also not lazy. I believe that for us, specifically church, that the reason that we don't pray is because of fear of unprofessional prayers. And you say, Pastor Ben, what do you mean by unprofessional prayers? Look, if you will, in verse 5 of Luke chapter 11, where we read, and it says, after a portion of text where Jesus and his disciples are there together and the disciples come to Jesus and say Jesus teach us how to pray Jesus gives them the model prayer there in the beginning of Luke chapter 11 and then he gives a parable starting in verse 5 we read and it says and he said to them which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Jesus takes this parable to describe to us what prayer are like, what prayer should be like. The disciples ask him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he gives them the model prayer, and then he gives them this parable. He says, when you pray, be like this man who, who's got a friend that is on a journey and comes to visit him, and he's got nothing to put before his, on his table to give this journeying friend something to eat. So this guy goes to his other friend who he thinks has got some food, and he goes to him at an unexpected time. In fact, it was the middle of the night. It was midnight. And he shows up at his friend's house. He's, he's probably got his flip-flops on in his bathrobe. And he's going, and it's in the middle of the night. It's an uncommon time. It's an unexpected time to go to a friend's house at midnight and to start calling out for this way. Jesus says, pray like that. Pray in the way that you ask for a lot. This friend is asking for three loaves, not for one loaf. One loaf was all that was needed. One loaf could usually feed a whole family for a day. But this guy is asking for three loaves just for the one friend that he has coming to his house and he has nothing to feed him. He's asking for a lot. This friend that he goes to see that he's asking to get this bread from is asleep. And not only is he asleep, but his kids are asleep in bed. Lord Jesus help him. That poor guy, I'm telling you, if you've got little kids, you know what a dire situation this is. I've told Abby, I said, if someone breaks into our house, I'm giving them our checkbook. I'll give them anything. And I'm just going to go up to the poor bad guy and I'm going to say, you take anything you want, but if you wake up these babies, I'm going to kill you. You don't wake up these babies. They're asleep. Sleep is precious around here. And this friend is going and he's banging on the door. He's saying, hey! I need some bread to give to the friend that came to my house. I don't have anything to give him, and I need, some, I need three loaves from you. And it's the guy in the house says, leave, get out of here. My, 
I'm in bed, the door's locked, my kids are in bed. If I get up out of this bed, I'm going to wake the kids up. Get out of here. And the friend says, no, I need to keep, you've got to give me this bread. I, I, I need you to give me what it is that I need. You're my friend. I'm going to keep beating on this door. I'm going to keep being persistent until you give me what it is that I need. In other words, church, he was praying an unprofessional prayer. And you compare that, you compare this way in which Jesus says that you and I should be praying, and you compare that to the way that you and I pray, the way that your pastor prays, the way that we are so many times drawn to pray. Jesus, bless this food to our bodies, amen. You understand what I'm saying, church? Uh, Jesus, my car is sliding on ice, help me and bless me in this moment. Uh, Jesus, don't let me bother you too much, but if you could bless me in this particular way, it would be much appreciated. Now, the, the reason I believe that we are drawn to pray in this, this little timid, not in the way, not in this way of, of this unprofessional middle of the night, calling out persistent kind of prayer, the reason that we pray these kinds of little prayers, I believe, are for two reasons, and it's largely placed our church into two different camps, I believe. I believe that one camp would be the too prideful, and the other camp would be the not informed. I'd like to preach for just a moment to the too prideful. The too prideful is the person that is, is too dignified to, to lower themselves to pray like that. They're, they're not willing. It was, it was an awkward thing, church, for this friend to go in the middle of the night and bang on this door and to keep banging on the door until he got what he needed from his friend. And, and Jesus says, pray like this. That was an awkward thing. And, and, and most of us don't want to go through that feeling of being awkward. Most of us don't want to go through the awkward feeling that it would be to pray with our adult children or our teenage children, even though we've been Christians for years and prayer's never really been a consistent thing at all in our homes. That's awkward to go through that. It's awkward to go through if you've, if you've never really prayed with your spouse, if you've never made it a regular thing to lay hands on your spouse and to pray for them and to pray with your, for your children. That's an awkward thing. It's a humbling thing. And, and most of us are just too dignified to to lower ourselves to that. We're too prideful to pray unprofessional prayers. And just so you're aware, the camp of the too prideful and the camp of the non-informed are both camps that I have been in and probably am still in. So I'm preaching to myself up here today. But to the group that would be too prideful, that we're just too prideful to pray these kinds of unprofessional prayers, to push back the awkwardness of of praying and calling out to God in this kind of way that Jesus gives us. I guess I just want to say to you that I'm glad that I'm glad Noah, for the sake of his family, pushed past the awkwardness of awkward prayers, of unprofessional prayers, of building that ginormous boat in the middle of nowhere. I'm glad that Rahab pushed past the awkwardness when those Israeli spies come into Jericho and she knew that this city was getting ready to be leveled by the hand of God and, and she did the awkward thing. She pushed, pushed past the, what was normal and she did some unprofessional things to see that, that God's men were taken care of and, and her and her family were spared. I'm, I'm glad that she pushed past that. I'm glad that those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm glad that they pushed past some of those awkward things where they're the only ones standing. All the rest of God's people are bowing down to the God of this world and they're, they're the only ones. They're the only ones standing there. I'm really glad that they pushed past that. They prayed some unprofessional. They were unprofessional in their way of going, their way of being. They had a bang on the door, do whatever it takes to serve God, to call out to God kind of way about them and it saved them through the fire. 
I'm glad that Peter, that fisherman, pushed past the awkwardness of, I'm just a fisherman. And now God's going to use me to to be the rock upon which He's going to build the church and He's going to stand up and preach this Pentecost sermon that so many people came to know Jesus through. And I'm really glad that Jesus pushed through the awkward feeling of being beaten for crimes that he was not guilty of, of dying a death on a cross, hanging, bleeding, naked on a cross. He didn't deserve that. He pushed past those awkward things. He, he was willing to be unprofessional for the, the cause. He was willing to do that. And, and I believe that we, we have this almost kind of prideful way about us is because we've believed this lie. In this church, this really... This really burdens my heart for this church. Is, and I don't think that we're in a direction to go this way, but just churches in general, there's this thinking, there's this, there's this absolute lie that Christians have believed that their walk with Jesus is about their comfort. Churches position everything around making sure that visitors are comfortable and everyone that's there is comfortable. and We make this whole journey about our comfort. And I just don't know where that notion came from. I think it came from... The pit of hell, but that's just what I think. It's a, it, I just don't know where we got this notion that we were supposed to be comfortable and that we were, we were never supposed to be unprofessional in our walk before God, that, that we can't pray these unprofessional prayers. We're too prideful to pray unprofessional prayers. You take the story of God's people in Joshua chapter 6, for instance, where God's people, the Israelites, are going through the wilderness. They've been released from the bondage in Egypt and and they come across, they've been going around with great success that God has been giving them. And they come up to this place called Jericho. Now, remember, church, I know a lot of times the movies and the pictures we see, they depict Israel as being like this pitiful little band of vagabonds. You need to remember, this was a nation. And most Bible scholars will tell you anywhere between like one to two to maybe up to three million people. This was one bad army, and they were going around and they were leveling cities under the instruction of God because these cities were wicked and had many years, hundreds of years worth of prophets. Don't think that God is a big angry God looking to squash somebody. God had given these places hundreds of years worth of long suffering that he had towards these cultures that killed their babies, if that sounds familiar a little bit. And, and then God would use the Israelites to exercise judgment upon them, and they were. They were going and leveling places with their army. They were, they were armed. They were very good at what God had called them to do. And then they get to Jericho. And what does God tell them to do at this place called Jericho? Big old wall. God says, I want you, Joshua, for six days, I want you guys to march one time per day. I want you to march one time around the city. You're, the whole nation, all the Israelites, you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. You got the priests there blowing, blowing the big horns and all. As you guys marching around, going around, I want you to do it one time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. And once you've all got done marching around it seven times, I want you all to shout. Imagine that you're an Israeli soldier. The whole land fears you because you've been leveling places under the instruction of God, remember. And God wants you to go marching without drawing the swords. He wants you to march for six days. Then on, seven day, on the seventh day, He wants you to march a whole bunch. And then He wants you to scream. I'm glad that they were humble enough to do that. I'm glad that they didn't have this sense that many of us have that this whole journey of following God is about our comfort. And as a matter of fact, church, I would like us to do something that 
will make probably all of us be uncomfortable. I'd like to do something that would just allow us to experience some scripture. Can we do that this morning? I'd like for us to experience scripture and not just to intellectually know it. I'd like for us to experience something that will make all of us a little bit uncomfortable, me included. Heart rate's up a little bit, okay? Let me just give you that kind of foresight to it. I would like for us, in a few, just a couple moments, I'm going to ask, and, and this is, idea is not original with me. I've seen one of my biblical mentors that did this for a church that had great blessing in it. It reminded the church greatly that this walk of following with Jesus is, is not about our comfort. This journey of coming to church every Sunday is not about our comfort. If you're visiting this morning, sorry, but I want to tell you the truth that this journey is not about your comfort and following Jesus. And what he asked them at the church to do, and what I'm going to ask us to do in a moment, is I'm going to count to three, and then I want all of us to shout. So kids, I can see some of the kids already getting excited. You guys, the little kids, are going to get to scream as loud as they want to in church. We're going to pretend like we just walked around for six days, one time a day walking around the city of Jericho, and now we're going to pretend like it's the seventh day. And it's not the first time around, it's not the second time. We just got done marching around seven times. And because of God's instruction, this is not normal for the Israelites. This is a weird thing to do. This is awkward, kind of like the feeling it would be to pray with a lot of our children. And then we're going to shout. Are you guys ready? You guys are so nervous. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we got somebody clapping already. You guys ready? For the span of about three seconds, we'll shout. And I'm going to count the three. You guys ready? One, two, three. Go ahead, laugh. I'll just, go ahead. <laughs> because they were humble enough to be unprofessional, the walls came down. The walls came down. God fought for them, and the walls came down. I'm so glad that they were humble enough to pray unprofessionally, to be unprofessional in their going about. They they had the same kind of Luke 11 Jesus instruction of beating on the door of midnight at an uncommon hour, asking for an uncommon amount. It was unprofessional. So our first point this morning regarding unprofessional prayers, humble yourself to them. Humble yourself for them, church. If you've got it, say got it. Now I'd like to preach to those of us that would be the uninformed. The uninformed are the people who believe that you have to have some kind of spiritual acumen to be able to pray that God is far off and you've got to use big fancy terms and big fancy words otherwise God's not going to pray you you're not not going to hear your prayers and and you feel like you're gonna you feel like you sound stupid raise your hand if you've ever felt felt like you're stupid sound stupid while you're praying yeah like a lot of us okay so you feel like you've got to pray in a certain way you feel like if you pray out loud that it's not going to come out right and it's not going to sound right listen to what God's word says verse 9 Jesus says so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Listen to verse 11, church. I love the word of God. It says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, 
Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If that's good news, say amen. The relationship that we have to God is, is a father-son kind of relationship. That's how we can go about and speaking to him. And I also like, did you see how it was all pertaining to food? It was pertaining to nourishment, something that a kid would want. I want eggs for breakfast. I want, I want fish for lunch. I want some bread as a snack. And, and it, what father among you is going to give something that the, that the child didn't ask for? You have compassion. You give them nourishment. You have a heart to give them what it is that they need. That's the same way in which Jesus says that we ought to pray. We ought not to be uninformed to think that we can't pray unprofessional prayers. A little kid crying for something to eat is the kind of way that we can pray to God. Let us not be uninformed. We can pray unprofessional prayers. If you're still not convinced of it, let me give you this illustration. For those of us that have kids or for those of you that have grandkids and your child draws a picture and they give it to you, is the drawing good? Got one honest person in the church. No, it's not a good drawing. But do you love it? You stick it on the refrigerator. When Daisy brings me something that she's drawn, is it good? I mean, it's probably better than what I could do, but it's, she, she loves the color blue, and every single one of her coloring pages looks like a Smurf bled to death on the thing. And, and it's, it's just blue all over the place. And, and she brings it, and it's not very good, but I love it, and I treasure it, and my refrigerator's full of them because she's my child, and I love her. It's not the quality of it that matters. It's the fact that she gave it to me in its, all of its imperfections. If you still don't believe me, I've got another example for you out of Exodus 2, verses 23 through 25. This is while the Israelites are still back in bondage underneath the Egyptian rule. You need to read about all that, but, but listen to this particular place as it pertains to praying unprofessional prayers. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Verse 24, so God heard their groaning. Everyone say the word groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Groaning. Imagine groaning under the whip of the taskmaster's hand groaning under the actual physical loads that they were carrying groaning god heard their groaning it was an unprofessional prayer but god heard their groaning so point two this morning unprofessional prayers god hears them church god hears them i was praying once with a group of pastors and one of the pastors sounded completely normal in talking to them and then when it came time to pray he says most holy God in heaven, art thou art holy and wonderful. It's like he's got a steeple stuck in his throat. Like, why doesn't he just pray and ask God like he would? He just sounded so normal. And then unprofessional prayers, church, God hears them. So let's just get rid of the notions around here that you have to have a doctorate degree in something, that you have to have a master's degree in some kind of theology or something to be able to pray. 
Dads, you ought to be praying with your kids. Moms, you ought to be praying with your kids. Spouses, you ought to be praying for each other. Boyfriends, girlfriends, you ought to be praying with each other. We ought to push through the awkward feeling of praying with people on the phone. We ought to be praying with each other. We ought to remember that when we talk to God, it's like a son talking to a father. We can humble ourselves to them, push past the awkwardness. God is hearing these unprofessional prayers. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. They cry out. No mention of fancy language. Just crying out, just groaning, unprofessional prayers. And God hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. If that's good news, say yes. So you might say, Pastor Ben, how, how does all this work? How is it that even for us believers that know God, that, man, our lives are really messy. And sometimes I feel really bad because I know there's this kind of notion in a lot of churches that like the pastor's got it all together and perfect. And it's like, man, if you could be a fly on my wall and see me lose my temper with my kids, if you, if you could just see the way, the, the harsh language that Abby and I will use with each other, if you could just see the broken life that we are, and how much we need Jesus. And to think that, that we, even in our brokenness, that we, would, that we would be able to talk to God Himself. The Creator of heaven and earth. Righteous, perfect, most holy God that we can talk to Him. How, that doesn't even really make sense. How does that work? Many years ago, there was a little boy who was walking through a park, and he comes upon this park bench. And sitting on the bench is a man who is crying. And the boy's curiosity was up. He, he walked over and he says, Sir, why are you so dismayed? Why are you crying? And the man said, Well, son, my, my brother is on death row. And I've done everything I can to go see the president who at the time was Abraham Lincoln. He says, I've done everything that I can. I've done everything that I know how to do in my own strength to be able to get to the president. He's the only one that can do anything about this problem. And I'm trying to get to the president. I've done everything that I can do. And I have fallen short every single time in every which way. And he's the only one that can do anything about my problem. And I can't get to him. To which the little boy smiled and says, come here, follow me. And he takes the man's hand. And he walks them past the guards at the gate, walks them straight in the front door, past the secretary's office. No one even looked up. No one even noticed that this little boy is walking with this man's hand and he's walking them straight in, walks straight into the president's office to which then Abraham Lincoln stands up and smiles at the boy and says, hey son, what can I do for you and this man that you brought with you? So church, when we have trusted God, when we repent of our sins, we we take the hand of, of the Son of the One who can do anything about our problems. He walks us straight into that wonderful throne room of grace where we can go to, to find great help in times of need. That's, that's what we've done when we have trusted Jesus with our whole lives. It's, it's the only thing that can happen that allows this whole thing of prayer to work. It, 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 when you pray, it's not like, oh, there's this, I made this one really good looking, and I like this good looking one, so I'm going to listen to his prayer. That's not what God says. Here's this one that makes a whole bunch of money, and I'm really impressed, God says, by that he can make all this money, I'm, therefore I'm going to listen to his prayers. That is not what God says, church. 
God says, here's this one that is covered in the blood of my son. His sins are gone. He's whiter than snow. I don't even see him. I see my son who is perfect. And when they pray, they can cry out to me even with groaning, even with unprofessional prayers. And I'm going to hear them. I'm going to come to their aid. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to encourage them, church. Would you please stand with me as we come to the music? Amy. Would you bow your heads to pray with me, church? Man, it is just such my hope, church, that, that, man, we really see this for what we need to see it. For, for you kids, there's a lot of kids always in this room. Man, I hope, I hope you kids know that you can pray. That you don't have to sound fancy like Pastor Ben does sometimes. That you can just pray and, and Jesus hears you. That we, as, that we as believers would know that, man, we've really got to humble ourselves to pray this way. We've really got to humble ourselves to pray this way that Jesus says, where you beat on the door, even at midnight, even asking for three loaves, even though it's an uncommon time, even though the guy's kids are in bed, even though the door's already locked, you can pray unprofessional prayers. Father in heaven, I pray that we would remember that you're a father. And we just ask God as, as your children that we would remember that it's okay to ask for the things that we need. That it's okay to pray. You've You've made it a way such that we can come boldly and with joy and without worry of judgment because Christ already took it all for us. That we can pray unprofessional prayers. Father, I pray for those of you, for those in this room that do not know you, that do not love you, Father, how sweet it is to be adopted into your kingdom. How sweet it is for all the wrath and the death that was against us got wiped completely away. It was completely absorbed in your son. I love you for it, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. With heads bowed, church, I just feel led to just ask if there's Man, I just hope you get it right. I just I hope you really know Jesus. I hope I hope you've really My heart is just really burdened for those that I know don't know the Lord. And it's like, man, he's just he's paved such a way for you. He's paved such a way for for his wrath to against you to be completely absorbed. He's given you an escape. And I just, for those of you that I know don't know the Lord, I just really want you to know, man, know that you don't have to pray any like really special, fancy way. Just know that you can cry out to God with sincerity. Know that you can have sorrow over your sin, that, that He would adopt you into your kingdom. Unprofessional prayers. Father, we give you this time as we pray, as we seek for your name to be glorified Lord it's in Jesus name that we do pray and all the church says amen here's what I'd like us for you please be seated
And I'd like for this time of, I'd just like for this time to be a little bit different. Please just take time at your seat quietly by yourself. And if you're a dad, I want you just to take time to lay a hand on the shoulder of your child. If you're a spouse, I want you to just lay a hand on their shoulder to pray for them. Can we just take just a couple minutes just to pray, church? Unprofessional prayers. Let's take a few moments to do that, and I'll be back in a moment. 